Welcome to the Jesse Garcia Show, your half-hour home for politics, culture, and art, where we bring you a new story about your world in every episode. Today's guest is Johnny Cordova, an Emmy Award-winning news producer who will share insight on how to break into the news business, and we will also review the year's top stories. Thank you for following The Jesse Garcia Show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. For more information about the podcast, visit jessegarciashow.com. As we welcome 2022, I want to thank you for listening this past year. 2021 couldn't escape the shadow of 2020. From the coronavirus to the 2020 election, COVID-19 fatigue and political rancor spilled into 2021 and affected our everyday life as we tried to rebuild as a nation. But there were some bright spots, and we'll discuss those with Johnny Cordova, a veteran in the news business who is a proud board member of the National Association of Hispanic Journalists. Cordoba is also a member of the LGBTQ community. The openly bisexual newsman has helped produce and report some of the biggest stories in the past 30 years. Today, we'll discuss the top five stories from 2021. It was a tough decision to narrow the field. We had a range of topics from cicadas, human space travel, the Summer Olympics, to critical race theory, anti-trans laws, the big freeze in Texas, the human migration humanitarian crisis at the border, and the need to address mental health. But we narrowed the top five stories that got a lot of airplay and started a lot of conversations, including this one today on our podcast. I want to welcome to the show my good friend Johnny Cordoba, an Emmy Award-winning news producer who in the last two decades has worked with network television to bring you the news in English and in Spanish at NBC, CBS, Fox, Telemundo, Univision. And today he helps us close out 2021 with our year-end review show of the top news stories. Welcome to the show, Johnny. Thank you, Jesse. It's a pleasure. Before we go into our top stories of 2021, I want our listeners to know to get to know you a little bit more. Sure. Um, it's always a long story. I'm going to try to be as, uh, <laughs> as brief as possible. But uh, actually, I graduated from, um, I got a communications degree from Florida International University in Miami. Uh, this is uh, way back. Um, <laughs> you know, I've been in, in this business now for uh, almost I think, you know, over 30 years. Um, and I started actually in radio. Uh, I fell in love with, uh, with broadcast production and I wanted to be a radio DJ. And of course, my, uh, my father, who was very wise and he has passed now, uh, always said, um, you know, I don't think you're going to make any money being a radio DJ. <laughs> so he said, you should study journalism or broadcast production. So I was always very shy and I decided to, um, to study broadcast production, which is basically behind the camera. So my degree originally is in radio and TV broadcast production. Uh, and um, I got that first job in, in Miami working for a, a radio station. It was an urban format. I really loved it. They're still, they're still there. It's a uh, power 96. Uh, and that, after a while, um, of course, I always 
wanted to move on to, to TV, I always saw that job as a, like a, my first job. Yes. Like a, a stepping stone to something else. And then my second job was in, at um, WPBT Channel 2 in, in, also in, in Miami. Uh, and I remember that uh, I started doing this show called New Florida. And I also did a couple of things for PBS Kids. And basically what I was was just a, a production guy. I did lighting and I did audio. Uh, that, that led into um, photography. So I started doing camera work. So your your skill set just exploded. I mean, you're not just doing yes. producing. You're doing lighting. You're doing fixtures. You're doing everything. What a great yes. great way to get into and this. that because that was my my original degree was production. So I always felt that I needed to to learn a little bit of everything because everything you learn makes you better. Uh, and that's usually what I what I tell a lot of the students today, you know, try to learn everything because you don't know what's going to land you that first job. So, um, so and plus I, when you're the person in charge of the project and you see something that's lacking, you already know what it probably is. You can diagnose a problem because you've worked every facet of that project in the past. You know, if it's yes. a sound issue, lighting issue, or it's a talent issue. You have all that knowledge base already because you've worked, you've cross-trained. Yeah. Yes. And currently, and currently, I, I must say, currently, I am at uh, at Univision, uh, Univision Arizona. And I am also working, um, I have a second job, which is uh, at a radio station, local radio station. I do a show once a week. It's uh, an hour show, and it's called Conecta Arizona. And um, we do that on Thursdays between four and five. And so far, you know, I, I stay very busy, but at the same time, both jobs complement each other and they're very rewarding because they're both similar in the sense that we cover news, but very different in the format that we, that we use. What do you tell that listener who wants to get into broadcasting? What advice do you give them? Uh, I know a lot of the students want to be in front of the camera. They want to be journalists. Um, but nowadays, it's even more important that when, when I started, it was very segmented. Maybe you're in production, you're, you're a journalist. You're... Now, it's everything is intertwined. Um, the concept of the MMJ, which is a multimedia journalist, that person is doing the job of maybe three or four people by, them, by him or herself. Uh, they, um, they have to, they have to, um, tweet, they have to do Facebook lives. They have to write scripts. They have to record their own video. They have to, uh, just so many things they have to do their own kind of research sometimes as they go along. Um, and the same goes for, for the people who are at the station, you know, for producers, for writers, for, we, we now do we wear many hats, basically. Uh, so I always tell students, you know, learn everything. Don't just think that you're just going to be there yeah. in front of the camera and you're going to have a photographer and you're going to have somebody doing your makeup or, um, you know, learn everything. I, I, I remember the process and you have to learn every step of the way. Yes, everything. Everything that you learn is going to make you stronger, better, especially if you want that first job. Well, You've been in charge of being that gatekeeper 
that decides what's going to be on the newscast. 2021 gave us a lot of stories to work with. But let's go ahead and start already with the first one, which is our number five story. Anti-Asian hate murders that took place in Georgia sparked a conversation about the ramifications of Trump calling COVID-19 the China disease. Um, He really, really went and used his platform to attack China. But in the process, he lit the fire for all these people to be uh, to stroke division. And there are 23 million Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders in the United States. And ever since the pandemic began, a new poll suggests one out of every three fears that they will be attacked. That's how, that's how bad it got. That's how bad it got. And hate crimes have overall increased last year by 2%, but hate crimes against the Asian American and Pacific Islander population rose by 146%, according to the Center for the Study of Hate and Extremism at California, California State University. And I've seen the videos where grandmothers walking the streets were hit or struck by grown men. Grandmothers, I'm like, what is this world coming to? But it was just sort of like the Chinese virus, you know, and the 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 anger, and then these murders that took place in on in March. This man went to three different Metro Atlanta spas. He killed eight people, and six of them were women of Asian descent. And he's being he's um, facing twenty three charges relating to the shooting. But I remember the marches taking place that spring. There was marches here in D.C. for anti, uh, to denounce anti-Asian hate. And there was even a bill that was passed this year and signed into law to help not only address anti-Asian hate, but to make it a quicker, more streamlined process to, to identify and prosecute. When we, I mean, those, those type of stories just um, hit you hard, you know, touch your heart. Um, of course, there's no room for hate, I, I don't think, against anybody. Um, I don't know. I, I cannot put myself in, in the shoes of somebody who, who f- thinks or feels like that. It's just, uh, it's just I can't comprehend. Um, and you don't, you don't want to compare your struggle to their struggle? Because, I mean, every marginalized community has their own. You know, it's almost like you're burdened with a story trying to navigate in the United States being a person of color. But it's just so sad when, you know, your community was singled out. Right. As, yeah, we've as, we've as, all been, I think, I think to a certain degree, we've all been at some point in our lives a victim of discrimination or hate. Uh, I think that is just different, maybe the degrees. Um, but of course, there is no room for hate. I'm just glad that, uh, in a way, the 2021 has opened a lot of these things that maybe sometimes are hidden um, and brought them basically to light um, because it gives parents and communities the opportunity to be better, uh, to discuss them, and to to change the way things are. Well, for a good news story, 
we go to our mm -hmm. number four topic, end of the Afghanistan war. Uh, nearly 20 years we've been at war. For the first time in a long time, we're not engaged in any type of conflict. On August 31st, Joe Biden addressed, President Joe Biden addressed the uh, United States. My fellow Americans, the war in Afghanistan is now over. And he was criticized for this decision, but he said there was no vital interest to keep being in Afghanistan and try to fight uh, for nation building that it was just not going to happen. You know, we tried, we tried for 20 years. Um, we got Osama bin Laden, which is the reason why we went there in the first place, because they had him there. They wouldn't turn him over. So we invaded and we started this war in this region where many wars have happened and people go in there, but they never go out as winners. It's just a difficult place to navigate. And it was just really sad because we suffered 20,000 wounded. The United States alone, 20,000 of our military folks were wounded and we lost another uh, 2,420 lives. American lives were lost in that war. It's estimated that a 1,000, no, 176,000 people died within this 20 year war. And the majority of those deaths were from Afghan civilians and the Afghan fighters on the ally side. Yes, wars are, I mean, I don't think there's usually in wars, there's no winners or losers in, in the sense of, of uh, you know, like a video game, I think would be the, the analogy, but um, they're always difficult. Uh, they're always hard, especially because you, you talk about a war, but at the same time, you know, uh, the reality is you're dealing with the individuals, the soldiers, um, also the people in Afghanistan. So it's it's very hard to, as a journalist, to cover um, wars. And many times we're covering wars from far away. Uh, very few are embedded um, in, in in the actual place. Uh, again, because of their because of safety reasons. Um, but um, uh, it, it, I mean, yeah, twenty years. It's it's a long time. Um, in a way, I mean, and I'm by I'm not an expert in in the topic of war. Um, usually, you know, we just cover the day to day facts of what's happening. But what I what I saw, at least from here, from from this point of view in Arizona, is also. Um, the Afghan people felt that they were left uh, behind. Uh, and we saw those, those uh, images, you know, of a lot of them trying to, to escape and get on the, on the military planes. And Yeah, 120,000 people were yeah. airlifted, but not everyone that needed to be on that plane made it to the plane. And 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 I and, and I believe what what we covered here in Arizona is we had some Afghan people that ended up here in Arizona um, to resettle, and um, of course there was a lot of um, groups, a lot of groups who who volunteered and to help them yes adjust uh, to being here. Um, so again, like you say, a lot of mixed feelings 
for for everybody uh, involved um, because even for them uh, they are now immigrants and they are trying to comprehend and understand uh, what happened and now that they're here trying to adjust so so very difficult um I I, I like I say I'm, I'm not an expert and I wouldn't I wouldn't want to be in the shoes of one of those generals that have to make those decisions. That have to make those decisions because you're dealing with a lot of lives and and even our soldiers. Um, so it's 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 very hard. And I do have friends who are in the military, so it's uh, it's very very difficult, very hard. But we'll see what happens. I mean, maybe this is over, but that doesn't mean that uh, uh, we won't hear of new operations. Um, military operations in that region coming up in 2022. Another story that uh, brought a lot of mixed feelings, to say the least, COVID-19 and the vaccine. We finally got a vaccine. Let me go over a quick timeline. The world's first case of COVID-19 was discovered in December 12th in 2019 in China. The first case confirmed in the United States um, was on January 18th, 2020. So in Washington state, the first vaccine that was administered in the United States took place on December 14th, 2020, right before 2021 came, they were already injecting people, you know, around Christmas time. And that took place in Maryland. So within almost within one year of the discovery of the, of the disease, the, the virus, sorry, um, we had a vaccine. And people were freaking out in 2021 because when the vaccine started coming out, people were like, what do you mean they rushed this? You know, within one year, we finally got a vaccine, you know. But the thing is that the scientists behind these vaccines have been studying this type of viruses. You know, we've had similar types of viruses in the past and they've figured out ways uh, how to work um, to eradicate those viruses that are closely related to the coronavirus. Um, researchers began working on developing vaccines for these diseases after they were discovered in 2003 and 2012. We're talking about the SARS, remember SARS? And there was the one called MERS. So the science was already there to eradicate those using a fancy term called mRNA technology. And so when they cracked the code for those two, it helped for the development of this new vaccine, which we that's how we got Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson. And I'm so happy that they did because by the when we started in 2021, we had 400,000 deaths in America for the, because of COVID. We're ending the year at 800,000. We doubled that number in one year. Yeah, I think the whole of... Um... Basically, the whole of uh, 2021 has been uh, marked in every uh, angle possible uh, by COVID. Uh, as, as journalists here in Arizona, we've covered a lot of uh, the, the different um, effects of coronavirus, not just when it comes to health, but I mean, it's it's permeated into almost everything. Um, a lot of people lost their jobs. Um, a lot of people who were not able to make ends meet. Um, 
losing, maybe losing your home. Um, so, and then, and then we're still ending, ending the year with, with the new variant, Omicron, and things that are still changing. Uh, I know here in Arizona, we are, um, I think it was in uh, January, like 28th, that they reported the first case at ASU. Um, but don't quote me on that date. But I, but I think it just uh, slowly, slowly uh, changed everything, um, and it's still changing. So it's it's hard to to um, report um, or or figure what's coming up. What's what's going to be next? I mean. It's always hard to report on it because there's always the unknown. Uh, and, and again, we've been like throughout the whole year, I know we've been relying on, on doctors, on experts, on different doctors, not, not even just like one doctor, like you've seen a lot of the, of the national news because you sometimes you tend to see the same players. Uh, but we try to reach out to different uh, different people, different. I get a second opinion. <laughs> yeah, like like yeah. getting a second, yeah. second, third, fourth, uh, and and if you see that most of them tend to say that the best thing is to uh, to get the vaccine, uh, because I I still see and I still hear from people who don't believe that uh, that this is real and who don't believe that the vaccines uh, are really a remedy to 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 covid um but i mean um sometimes i i'm like well what's in a way what's real you know you have to you have to believe the experts i mean yeah. i'm not a doctor so i'm not able to to have that uh, background i mean all i can do is try to be informed uh, try to read on the subject and try to get all the different points of view. Uh, and, and even doctors sometimes say, you know, it's not, it's not the, the cure for everything because there's always side effects. Yeah. But what's, what's worse, you know, dying or getting Dealing with long-term effects of COVID. So just want to so, let our um, listeners know that COVID-19 can cause severe illness or death. So please get vaccinated. Not only it does the vaccine protect you from COVID-19, but it also protects those around you by preventing its spread. And our number two story is the duo that would have to inherit all of this and try to manage it up. And that would be the inauguration of our President Joe Biden and the first black woman, vice president, black and Asian woman, vice president Kamala Harris. Uh, they were inaugurated into office on um, January 20th, uh, 46th president and the 49th vice president. Like I said, uh, Vice President Harris is the first black woman and the first Asian American to serve as vice president. It was history in the making. And it was so sad because it was such a historic day and it was a limited engagement. I remember the last election inauguration. There were so many fights about how many people were in the National Mall. They brought out photos and all this. But this time around, it was almost like a reset button. Return back to uh, protocols and traditions of an actual presidency. 
and but it was a limited engagement because they took COVID nineteen serious. I mean, they had their little like uh, presentations and stuff like that, but everything was limited. It wasn't a big thing. They they had a wonderful ceremony. J Lo got to sing "This Land Is Your Land" in America the Beautiful on the inauguration day. It was very very nice. A lot of the people were there, both Republican and Democratic presidents of past, uh, with the exception of Donald Trump, who refused to attend because he got beat really bad. <laughs> Joe Biden got 81 million votes, the most ever, and 306 electoral votes in an election that was held in November on a Tuesday, but wasn't decided until Saturday. That's how long it took for that election to wrap up. It was like... I thought it would never end. And then there, there was recounts and recounts and recounts. And Joe Biden kept winning. And I think there was one in Arizona that he actually ended up with more votes. They recounted it and Joe Biden came out with more votes, correct? Yes, those are the the, cyber, the famous cyber cyber ninjas. Cyber ninjas. <laughs> that permeated also into our into our vocabulary. Um uh, but um I'll, I'll go back to the, the 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 story. I mean, yeah, it was it was great to finally see um, a woman in that role, and also um, the fact that she was uh, Asian American and black. She's a success story. Uh, she's uh, kind of the American dream in in a way for for a lot of the immigrant families, and uh, and I think that um, after uh, Hillary. Um, you know, I think uh, a lot of the, of the American people, uh, would like to see a woman in power. Um, and, uh, and that's probably in the future for us, um, for the United States to have that, uh, the woman in the Oval Office. Uh, but it was, uh, it was just, uh, so uplifting. Um, it was. It was to see that, uh, and uh, even with all the limitations, uh, as uh, as you were mentioning, you know, for for us as as Americans and as and especially for reporters, um, to be able to to see again, I, I always say we're lucky because we get to see history in the making, and that was one of those moments when we saw history in the making. We almost didn't have that event. We almost didn't get that inauguration because of our number one story of 2021, which is the January 6th insurrection. When a mob of supporters, uh, President Trump, Donald Trump attacked the U.S. Capitol in Washington, D.C. They sought to overturn his defeat of the 2020 presidential election by disrupting the joint session of Congress that was assembled to count the electoral votes that would formalize the Biden victory. And I was here on that day, just thinking it would be like any other day. We're preparing to celebrate Dia de los Reyes that lands on January 6th. And it ended up being a day that went horrible, 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 horrible. Um, dozens of people present in Washington, in, present in Washington, D.C. on that day, and including some that took part in the riot, were found to be uh, listed in the FBI's terrorist screening database. So the people that came to organize this and to take part, there are already on watch lists, white nationalists, groups that are anti-government. I mean, 
the real big heavies in that type of world, those conspiracy theorists, they were there that day to disrupt. And it was just really sad because not only did we have that event, the one things that the one other side story that people forget is that bombs were left at several locations around the Capitol, at the RNC, the DNC, and there could have been more destruction. People ended up dying that day. I mean, we had um, people that were hospitalized, over 138 po police officers, 138 police officers were injured. Um, four officers from various police departments eventually died by suicide. That's how traumatic the situation was. And uh, one of those um, individuals that were part of the riot had to be shot down as she was trying to break into the chambers that the House and the Senate have people with security, with guns that are basically defending democracy because they were going to go in there and try to mess, uh, hurt folks that were instructed to go look for certain Congress members. And it's just a horrible, horrible point in our history. People do not know how close we were to losing our democracy that day. And it's so sad because people tend not to talk about it with the same anger like they did back in January and February. It's almost like, oh, that, that, that was a long time ago. And I'm like, we're about to hit the one year anniversary. And I still, because I guess I'm more biased because I live in the city and I love my government and I love my country. And I hate that this happened. And the people that are responsible that are current and people that aided this horrible event, some of them are sitting in Congress seats right now and they need to be prosecuted because they helped talk it up, you know? What are your feelings on it? Um, like you say, I mean, it seems like it was a long time ago, <laughs> but it's not. It's, we're just going to hit the one year anniversary. And um, it was just so unbelievable. Um, as, as, as a reporter here in Arizona, I mean, as a, as a producer here in Arizona, uh, because I always say that there's always a, 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 a tie <laughs> to three states. <laughs> well, four if you include California, but there's always, there's always the tie of Arizona, the tie of Florida and the tie of Texas. And I know we had some key players here, um, from Arizona, not just people who went to participate in the riot, but also um, who have been prosecuted, but also uh, politicians. So um, we'll see what happens. 2022, like I said, it's gonna be uh, the one year anniversary and uh, it was hard to watch, uh, even harder to watch from, from, I guess, from far away. Uh, because um, of uh, what you were saying, you know, nobody would think uh, uh, as an American and also as a, as a reporter uh, that uh, that could happen in the United States. I mean, countries were like freaking out. They're like, yeah, yeah nobody would imagine. On? Nobody, yeah. nobody could imagine something like that happening in the United States, much less in the capital, uh, which you would think is like a fortress. I've never been to the capital, <laughs> so I, I I can't I can't say, but I but I know that uh, a lot of the federal buildings have a lot of security, 
So it was hard to watch. And again, the story is not finished. Um, we still have a lot of, um, we're, st we're still reporting on a lot of the, the issues that happened on that day. And hopefully voters, which is really our, our job as journalists and uh, is to bring all the information to light so that when people run again, so that people can make a really informed decision and really decide if this is uh, what uh, the person that you want representing you in, in Washington. Um, it's not, it's not uh, again, you know, it's always hard when you, maybe you have only two choices, but you always have to decide what's, what's best. And, um, and, uh, and, you know, we're still dealing with the effects of that, of that riot. Um, we're still dealing with a lot of, uh, you know, the FBI still has a lot of people on their most wanted list. So um, it's, it's not over. And I don't think it'll be over for, for many years. Um, uh, it's like, a, it's like a wound now that won't heal. Um, but, um, but we all have to basically, as with anything, um, learn from it and uh, try uh, try for something like that never to happen again. Uh, but, um, you know, it's a good thing that it, it, it wasn't. Uh, and that we still yeah. have a democracy. And that, uh, and that, yeah, and that DC, um, you know, everybody who was around it, I mean, in a way, was able to, um, to stay uh, grounded because, you know, like you say, it could have been, it could have been worse, but um, hopefully, you know, people will learn from it and it'll never happen again. And, uh, and, and people will respect our institutions more. Yes. And I want to thank you, Johnny, for one, reliving 2021 with me on this show today and for keeping the news um, balanced and keeping our democracy alive by reporting on it correctly and making sure you get both sides of the story and ensuring the public that truth will always be shown. You know, there's always going to be a light. It's going to be transparent and it's the media's job to get us there. So you hold a very important role in our society. So thank you so much, Johnny, for the work that you do in the community and for sharing your thoughts on our stories today. Thank you for inviting me. It's uh, very humbling. I, I never like to be the protagonist. I always like to be the person um, asking the questions, <laughs> asking the questions and, and, and bringing the information, presenting the information to, to the people so that they can make, their, make up their own minds. But I would encourage people to, to seek those different points of view and to read more and to, to try to better themselves by, by reading. Um, uh, not, um, you know, I, I know I work in radio and television, but those are not the only media as a journalist and part of, a, a, as a member of NHJ. Uh, I think that it's very important for us to bring different points of view and to, um, to really bring out the best in each other and to try and mentor each other and take care of each other. So, so again, let's hope that 2022 brings us uh, more good news as opposed yes. to bad news and that it brings us together and that it brings us the best in us. So thank you for inviting me again. I'm very humbled. I appreciate it. Um, and, uh, and I wish you the best for 2022. Thank you so much, Johnny.